Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. This episode is part three of a series excerpted from my course, Embodied Values and Virtues. We continue the conversation about compassion today by deconstructing the ubiquitous judgment of judgment in our world and how counterintuitively accepting and investigating your own judgments can lead to authentic compassion. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding, holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. As I mentioned, this series is from the course entitled Embodied Values and Virtues, which you can find at courses.clearandopen.com. Thanks so much for listening. So any of you wondering, well, okay, so if this is the case, if I'm already naturally compassionate, we're talking about compassion, but it's true for any of this. If I'm already naturally compassionate, but I don't feel it, how do I get there? Anybody wondering that question? How do I, how do I get to that without faking it till I make it? Because I don't want to do that. Just be curious. You're curious? Just ask, ask people, I don't know, curiosity. Like if, if it's just a natural thing that occurs, um, trying to get to the truth of things, wouldn't that just naturally be more compassion? I don't know. Cur- being curious about people. Sure. That can do it. In general. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a, that's a good question or a good, a good answer. Um, let's get even more specific with that. So, uh, how curiosity can be applied. So how many of you judge people? Show of hands. Anybody who's not raising your hand, I don't believe you. <laughs> We all judge people, but we're conditioned to think judgment is bad, right? Because it's not compassionate. You should be compassionate and not judge. The problem with that is you can't stop judgment, even though some people will tell you that you can, because you can't control your thoughts. Besides, if you can't stop judgment because it's the same, the same engine that allows you to judge people is the same engine that allows you to discern between the food on your fork and the fork. You're making a judgment there. This is the fork and that's the food. And you've probably all bitten a fork once in your life. You don't want to do that too many times. That can be bad. So here's a way to not practice so much, but uh, elicit, maybe is a better word, compassion. And that is to work with judgments. So first of all, you have to completely drop that judgment is a bad thing. You have to completely drop that. You have to allow yourself on the inside of you to judge people however you want to judge them. You have to remove the filter. So for some people, that may be difficult if you have a lot of conditions, a conditioning around judgment. Some people are unaware of their judgment, uh, but it then comes out passive aggressively. But you want to let the judgment be very loud on the inside of you. Now, back to what we started with, we were talking with Brett, uh, this may be difficult because that's a strong feeling and that may not be pleasant. Yeah, I know. Too bad. Let yourself feel it anyway, because it's in your own self-interest. Because when you have a judgment about someone, 
strong judgment about someone, not just an observation. The difference, by the way, between observation and judgment is the withholding of love. When you judge someone, you're not feeling connected to them. You're not feeling love, you're not feeling compassion. It's a push away. You feel a disconnect. They're over there, those, that stupid person over there, they're this way, and I'm over here and I'm way better than they are. I'm nothing like them. There's a disconnect there. So there's nothing wrong with observation. And yet people try to say that observation is good and judgment is bad, but they come from the same engine. So you can't turn it off because you want to be able to make discerning observations. But if you have a strong judgment about somebody or something, the thing to be curious about is yourself. How does it remind you of you? How are you like that? How is that me too? Not that me too, this me too. <laughs> That's me too. So, uh, anybody have a judgment they want to share that they had about someone recently? A really juicy, hot one? Yeah, I have one. And uh, I'm on a board, uh, an executive director. Um, she drives me crazy because all she does is tell self grandiose stories about how awesome she is at her job and she'll interject whenever possible and it drives me crazy and of course it drives me crazy because i am prone to doing that myself mm -hmm. well you skipped to the end <laughs> yeah. thank you for that yeah yeah i skipped to the end yeah that's fine so yeah. uh, does she still drive you crazy so it, much less so so it's interesting I've, I've been on board with her for a while and it, i used to like complain about it incessantly and talk about quitting the board because of this and she was just driving me nuts and i've um i have much more compassion for her now and i i don't know how or why but i i do that's beautiful um, yeah it's magic isn't it yeah so let me explain how this works so the reason we judge people and when i say judge i mean like there's a strong oh that person sucks or whatever like there's has to be a strong feeling associated with it that cannot happen, I'm positing here, that cannot happen unless there's a defense system in you that says, we do that exact same thing, and we need to push it away lest we be found out. That person reminds me of me, and I don't want to look at that. I don't want anyone to see this aspect of me, and that person is a mirror. So we got to get them, we got to push them away. And the more wrong and bad we can make them, the more that will put attention on them and keep attention away from us. That is the purpose of judgment. Different than observation. That's the purpose of judgment. That's the psychodynamic function it's serving, is keeping you the same. Let me say that again. The purpose of judgment is so that you get to stay the same. So someone reminds you or, you know, is a walking version in some way, shape or form of something you do. And if you were to actually see that your authentic you and see it as a mirror, you'd go, oh, wow, look at that. That's just how I look. That's I can't see myself because I'm so busy being myself. So everyone is a mirror in one way or another. They help me learn about myself. myself. That's what an authentic self would say. Oh, I learned this about myself, I learned this about myself, I learned this. The more you open to reality, 
the more you see that, that everyone is a teacher. Now, this is not to be solipsistic or, uh, or um, you can Google that if you don't know it, or uh, uh, what's the uh, simulation theory or something. The other people are real too. That doesn't mean you're in this narcissistic reality where everybody is your teacher and everyone else is a non-player character like in a role-playing game and an NPC. No, they're all real too. And it's all happening for them as well, which is amazing that we're all who we are and also serving other people as mirrors for them at the same time. It's quite complex how that works. So when we... Uh, that person that's making me crazy. That means they're your teacher in that moment, showing you something about you. So your job is to find out, to follow those three fingers pointing back at you and you go, oh, how, do, how am I just like that? And your first reaction will be, I'm not. <laughs> Don't stop there. You have to be uh, relentless and say, well, I have this strong judgment, so there must be some way. And that's where you have to be curious and curious and curious. It may be that you used to do something like that and you still do. It's more subtle. Like my Aikido teacher once said to a bunch of us black belts, watch the white belts very carefully. They make the same mistakes as you, but they don't cover it up as well. Oh man, that was one of the best teachings ever. So whenever I saw a white belt do something stupid, I would do the technique myself. I'm like, oh, I kind of do that too. It's just really, really subtle and nobody would see it. And now they're my teacher. Cool. Now I'm not annoyed by having to teach, you know, these basic things to them. In other words, it leads to compassion. Because when you see that the thing that they're doing or being is also in you, something magical happens. You connect, or rather, you realize the connection that's already there. I'm that too. That's me too. We have this in common. You didn't create that connection, you discovered it, you see? And that naturally opens a floodgate for compassion because that person's just like you and you're just like them in that way. And that's compassion you don't have to create, you don't have to cultivate, you don't have to manufacture, it's just already there when you experience on an emotional level that they're just like you. And maybe they do it in more domains of life than you. Maybe they do it more pronounced than you. Sure, maybe. But you're still, you're looking for what you have in common, you see, in a feeling way. Any questions about that? So that's your homework this week. For once, I actually know what the assignment is before the class ends. Did my homework. So yeah, that's going to be uh, your homework to try to do that once a day to unpack. This is called unpacking a judgment. And again, it, uh, you got to let yourself judge. And if you're not already a quote judgmental person, that can be a challenge to look around and really let yourself judge. Because if you have a self image that is compassionate, uh, then you might have some difficulty with this. Because it's entirely possible and even common to build a, a self-image and an identity around compassion. Um, and what that creates, I'm sure, have you ever met somebody who's just so syrupy nice and so like um, cloyingly kind that you just didn't trust them and couldn't stand them? That's what that is. There, we, we have um, an internal 
bullshit detector for lack of a better term it's like we we know what authentic is to some degree when we encounter it so even though someone who's incredibly nice and very compassionate and, and all that if what's going on is that person has taken that so far that they've built a false identity around a a true virtue but in a way that's performed and we we naturally contract from that. It gives us a uh, feeling the same way we feel around sociopaths because we have the ability to perceive when there's a dissonance between the back and the front, is what I call it, the essence and the expression. You can perceive, and you know, certainly this is something you can cultivate and some people do it better than others, but it's possible to perceive when, uh, for example, the words don't match the energy or you have just a feeling like that they don't really mean what they say. This happens for people every day. This can be cultivated to a very high level, and it's one of the primary ways I work with people. I just listen to what they say and listen for the dissonances between what is in, in essence and what they're presenting. Because whenever that's happening, uh, they're not whole, you have moving parts. And when you have moving parts, it means there's a wound. So you just get curious about that and follow it. Uh, it's very handy if you want to know when someone's lying to you, when you're really good at that. Uh, it's nothing, it's not absolute. It's not like 100% anything. But it's something all human beings can do. You just sense it. And a lot of times you get burned or you find something out about someone later. And then what happens? You go, oh, yeah, you know, something felt weird about that. I knew it. Something in me knew. So um, that's what's going on when someone who hasn't done anything they've been you know a saint it appears and they're so nice and kind but they just rub you the wrong way it's because it's false so i hope that that makes you not want to become that and that's one of the hard things about it because the most of the models we have for these you know excessively you know kind of uh or inaccessibly in a way like oh my god there's they're a saint they're so kind they're like a priest or an imam they're just so polished and i would love to be like that but in another way, you can't because you don't want to because you can detect that it's false. So that puts people in a double bind. You know, you want to be a compassionate person, but most of our models for compassionate people are icky. You know, so you don't want to become that. You want to have compassion and passion. Because if you notice these people who are excessively kind and, you know, have a self-image around being a nice person, that's usually the only channel they got, isn't it? They're just, they're one trick ponies. Uh, and that's the clue that they've built um, that, uh, that kind of controlled, even kindness. So people who spend a lot of time in AA type programs tend to develop that kind of persona. It's very controlled and very measured. And um, yeah, well, you know, life's hard and just one day at a time, you keep at it. And it, you, you, all the words are right, but it just feels dead inside. Uh, and uh, again, like I said before, I'm not running it down necessarily. It's a necessary phase of development that uh, some people need to build an identity around something like that in order to find the limits so that they can move on toward having the full range of human emotions to be able to be angry, which is also a core human emotion. Different than rage, rage is at people in a judgmental or punitive way. Anger is different. Anger is about what's missing, what could be, what should be. Uh, Martin Luther King comes to mind. You know, his speeches, there's anger there.
but it's anger about what isn't. It's not anger at people. And it moves people. It's inspiring as hell. This is what should be. This is what's going on. And it sucks. And like, it's coming from a, a what could be. And he's, he's angry about it. You could also call that passion in a way. But, you know, the look in his eyes is, that, you know, there's anger there. And I'm saying that's a healthy thing. There, there was reasonable things to be angry about. But he didn't get petty and judge people about that. You see, that's, that's, that would be rage or judgment. So, um, you know, what you want is the full range of, of human emotions, the core emotions, which are compassion, joy, anger, vulnerability, innocence, all of these things. But if you try to build an identity around any one of them, which is what our defenses tend to do, well, then you get a very narrow, narrow, artificial range. Make sense? Any questions about any of that? Just, just a funny uh, visual. Whenever you talk about that alternate persona, I always go to Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. <laughs> yes! And, yes! Ned Flanders. And, and the beautiful authenticity of Homer. Like, Homer is always Homer. Like, 100% authentic, regardless. And then Ned Flanders next, Oakley Doakley, you know, regardless of the circumstance. Well, I mean, yeah, that's an, yeah, for sure. Ned Flanders is a great example for that. Yeah, it's it's painful and cloying how uh, like it's just false. So I'd say Homer Simpson is more authentic than Ned Flanders, but I wouldn't call him authentic. Yeah, because it's authentic isn't just indulging whatever feeling you have. Uh, but and what I would a ton of delusion, everything else. I was just yeah, I, yeah. I think surface level. Everything's at the surface, whether it's delusion or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. You could say like um, Homer is honest. He's he's transparent about his issues, whereas like Ned Flanders, like one day you could find like that he like killed his wife and left her, buried her in the basement, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense um, because there's so much repression going going on there, um, and that's why he drives uh, Homer crazy. That's why because they're both wrong in one way. You know, Homer is indulgent of every little feeling that passes through him, and Ned is immensely repressive. So they're both compensating for their wounds in opposite ways, but they're both compensations. And do we have a Simpsons character who actually is in the middle? Who, who rises? Who's the most mature Simpsons character? <laughs> Somehow I think Ed has this answer. Marge? March is close. Yeah, she's not bad. Yeah. She went into that gambling thing. Every now and then she'll get pushed off sure. the edge and go crazy in some regard. But I, yeah. I think Marge is probably the closest. I yeah, think. The, the, the problem with Marge is why is she staying with Homer for all these years? What, what is that about? She, so she has to be held together because she's anchoring Homer's insanity uh, and, you know, raising the kids. But why has she not left him for a, a long time ago would be the question. That would be her wounds are. So our April course will be psychoanalysis of the Simpsons characters. Stay tuned for that. That that. <laughs> anyway, any thank you for that. Well, that was what I wanted to talk about. Just like my notes about compassion. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about today. So use judgment as a teacher. Uh, any questions about anything heretofore? For once, I'm actually done a little early. I wonder what the next four minutes are supposed to be about. I have a sort of related question. Please. So, so going back to essence, I mean, is the idea that like 
as children, we're completely open and, and like show our, those virtues because I'm thinking of my kids and like a few years ago, I feel like they were super compassionate. And in the last few years, I, they're not anymore. It's like mm-hmm. an eye for an eye all the time. Um, so I don't, and I always attributed that to like comparison and competition. I don't know, but would you say like we're, we're born with those and then slowly are conditioned out of them? Yeah, in short. Yeah. I mean, what I'd say is like, it sort of depends on how you splay it metaphysically. Um, Some of the virtues, I mean, I'm using the samurai virtues because I didn't want to have to build a whole new, very complex model. And, uh, you know, it's a good list. Some of these virtues, like um, compassion, I would say, is an aspect of soul. Right action, I would say, is not an aspect of soul. Right action is an expression thing. Um. Uh, courage, it's like the most primary colors, if you will, the aspects of soul are joy, sorrow, and compassion. Joy, sorrow, and compassion is what we're all born with. It's all in there. And then through conditioning, training, wounding, whatever, through our experiences, it then will translate or not translate into other things. So compassion is one of those things that's really deeply in there. And I would say, technically, curiosity is actually downstream of compassion. Because compassion is a penetrative kind of, well, you could, I, know, I guess it's a receiving and penetrative. It's sort of a, it's a, a dynamic of connection. It's an intimacy. It's an involvement. So curiosity is kind of an application of curiosity. Oh, let me get with this. Let me see what's going. You know, you can, it depends on how you define things, but. Um, I'd have to really sit down with some graph paper or something and plot it out. And I don't think that's necessarily useful, but interesting, but not necessarily relevant. So what I would say is like, yeah, as infants, we have all of this in us in capacity. An infant is not capable of right action. They can't even hold their own head up, you know, but that in essence, it's all there. And then through their experience uh, or lack of experience, uh, it will get shaped and molded in different ways. And so, yeah, your observation about kids losing compassion uh, is exactly right. And that's, of course, not uh, not uncommon, especially when you get to the uh, early teen years of, I have to judge myself by judging other people. And that's when image becomes super, super important because they're trying to establish identity But because of parental wounding, they can't actually experience from the inside out all the way their identity. Uh, Young teens are sort of putting the finishing touches on the ego that was um, created between the ages of three and five. They're sort of, uh, the cake's already baked and now they're putting the icing on it to establish the final look. And that's why kids are so mean because they're trying to define themselves. The older they get, they have to define themselves through, I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that. Why? Because they don't know what they are. So they have to make other things wrong in order to feel right. A a child who got everything they needed wouldn't do that, I would argue. Hey, Joseph. Mm -hmm. I'd never thought of curiosity being downstream of compassion before. And just in thinking back, (laughs) I don't know if it's true, but it's an interesting idea, (laughs) but it's interesting because if I think of our educational system, I was incredibly curious in grade school 
and grade school teachers on average, I would argue are pretty compassionate people. They choose, yeah. they self-select. Sure. Um, I was the most creative in probably sixth, sixth grade and in junior high, that was absolutely beaten out of me. Mm. Like it, it shifted because the, the teachers that are drawn to junior high and high school, it becomes, and again, this is a broad brush, Generally, whatever, yeah. But, you know, it's hard to teach junior high kids and you kind of get this shell and this armor on and you got to prep them and it becomes competitive and it's just harsh, judgmental, harsh. And that yeah. curiosity was lost. And maybe that was lost because the compassion was lost at the same time. Or maybe it was just in that same yeah. lane. I hadn't really thought about that before. They're certainly related. Yeah, yeah. that's a, a really good connection there. Yeah, well done. Okay, well, now we are at time. So thanks for being here today. And um, yeah, I'll write up the assignment into something, but that's uh, what you can start doing. It's going to have something to do with unpacking your judgments. Let yourself be judgmental on the inside, on the inside. I'm not saying go tell people what you really think of them. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Um, in fact, the, you don't want to bring the observation to someone if there's a charge until after you've unpacked it. That's one of the cool things about this unpacking method is you'll find out whether you need to bring it to that person after discharging the charge and finding, because then you'll bring it to them in a connected way, in a compassionate way. You may still need to bring what was the judgment and now is hopefully an observation, but now it won't have the charge on it. Now they'll be able to receive it because you're doing it to enhance a connection, not from a, let me show you how much better I am than you place, which generally doesn't rub people so well, have you noticed? Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that clear and open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.